This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 358 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, Kentucky Performance Products, and 2K Gray. Today we've got a great show with sport horse breeding expert Richard Malgren and world-renowned trainer and competitor Michael Klinka joins us for the Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hello, Phil. We are on our own. Yeah, I know. It's been yeah, it's been a few weeks. Uh, <laughs> we've know. not been recording lately. So, how are you doing? Tell I'm us about great. Uh, t- yeah, tell us about your trip back from uh, from the sunny south. Yeah, from the sunny south to the very cold Kentucky, and I'm sure. Canada's even colder. Uh, it's been a little bit of a challenge. I'm not going to, everybody, um, well, you know, when you, you move, which is essentially kind of what we do twice a year, is move, uh, you know, horses and yourself. And yeah, it's been a challenge, but uh, everybody's good. The horses are all good. And we're just doing some spring cleaning here at the farm. And uh, the big group of horses literally just got in an hour ago. So they're all happy and settled. But we like, they came off the trailer and we were throwing blankets on them. Yeah, unpacking all the blankets. That's going to be something, yeah. Oh, they were shivering when they came off the truck. It was so sad. So we were we were really we were on it. We were ready to go. It sort of everything was lined up. So they got off and we could just get their blankies on quickly and they were very thankful. <laughs> but no, everything's good and uh we'll sort of kind of get in routine and get started on Monday. That's sort of the plan. So <laughs> all is well. How about right. you? Yeah, everything's so we're just trucking along, just dealing with, you know, the whatever Mother Nature throws at us day to day, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, but we're sort of gearing up towards show season. Yeah, show season. I know Rolex I know. is at the end of the month for, you know, it sort is. of that's a Lexington, Kentucky thing, right? Yep. And there's a big, there's a big event this coming weekend and it's supposed to be like 20 degrees for dressage. And mm. one of my students said, oh, it's going to be 20 degrees. And I was like, huh, you're oh, going to buy? Like, <laughs> you're going to do that? Because <laughs> yeah. I'm not getting out of my bed. Yeah. Um, no, I was like, really? You're going to ride? So she's like, yeah. I was like, oh. But I will say, our last horse show that we did last weekend at, um, at Global it was so very hot. It was actually like 95. I was very hot and very humid. Yeah, that's what so I heard. Yeah. We've had a really big swing and the temperature is like 70 degrees. So uh, the horses will probably not work much this weekend. But that's okay. They're, They're fine. They're going to be grumpy. They're going to be grumpy like me when it like gets like me. This. I know. I know. <laughs> so, yeah. But we have an awesome show. I'm really looking forward to this show. Um, you're going to really enjoy Richard Malgram. Um, he's a good friend of ours, and uh, he's doing a breeding segment. He knows so much about breeding, and he's a wonderful, uh, just a wonderful person to have on to, to discuss it. So he's going to be great. And then we have Michael Klemka, and uh, he's doing our Total Saddle Fit Tip of the Week. And uh, what's fun about Michael is it actually it's, it's a fun conversation about dressage we uh i hope you all ever we enjoyed doing it and i hope you enjoy uh hearing it so uh phil what's in the news today well, i think we should wrap up you know the last piece of news from uh the adequin global dressage festival the last competition was um the still point farm fei nations cup three star and it looks like team usa dominated 
Uh, they won the competition with a total team score of 454.69, you know, 98 points. Uh, Canada, well, Canada finished second with uh, 428.708. And Spain rounded out the top three, collecting the bronze medal with a total team score of 414.421. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. I think the, the big news out of that was that Laura Graves... And Verdadas made history as the pair earned of 82.8% uh, for their uh, Grand Prix Freestyle, the highest ever score earned at the Adequin Global Dressage Festival in international competition. So that was pretty great. I mean, congratulations. Mm-hmm, uh, for sure. I think their season started out a little bit slow for Verdadas yep. and, and Laura, but um, obviously they topped out at the end with huge success and... Uh, Let's see. Uh, they were followed by USA teammates. Uh, Another Casey 80%. Perry class. Yeah. Yeah. Also over 80%. Fantastic. And uh, Belinda Tressel was uh, finished third with a 76.350. So, you know, congratulations. To all the and she was very strong. Yeah. She was very strong all season as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah they're really coming really... along, you know, mm. coming on with their scores as well. So I mm. think. Team USA takes eight combinations with uh, to Europe, you know, yep, to uh, that's right to compete. So uh, I think a lot of people are looking forward to that. And then uh, on road to Rio, right on to Rio road from there. Road to Rio, I know it's crazy. It's coming up soon. You know, you think about it. It's it's you know what the Olympics is. Uh, end of July, early August. So yeah. it'll be really fun to to see them and cheer them on. And um, but also Casey Perry Glass, really, you know her her. Uh, sort of partnership with her horse has really changed uh, over over the Florida season. It was fun to see them sort of um, kind of come together as a team. So that was really fun. So <clears throat> those combinations were quite good. And it was, yeah, I mean, Laura did start off a little rocky, but whew, she look, is looking strong, looking fantastic. So all good stuff. This is great. So I think right after this commercial with 2K Gray, we're going we're gonna to have Richard Malgren on. Kay Gray's mission is to honor a woman's adventurous spirit by creating apparel that offers comfort while riding, plus style when you're not. In 2011, Grand Prix rider and entrepreneur Chris Pinto joined forces with fashion industry veteran Meryl Ranzer to create a chic and sophisticated line of performance riding breeches that look and feel better than your favorite pair of jeans. The line, made for women by women, is now being expanded and refined by teaming up with global equine manufacturer and distributor Intrepid International and notable fashion designer Kia Tomlin. 2K Gray offers serious riding clothes that are sturdy in the saddle, yet slimming, stunning, and sophisticated everywhere else. Each detail, from pocket shape to scene placement, is designed to enhance a woman's silhouette and to celebrate different body types. The collection is machine washable and proudly designed in the USA. Check out the new and exciting designs at 2kgray.com. That's the number two, the letter K, G-R-E-Y, dot com. You can also follow them on Facebook at 2kgray. Feel better and ride better. 2K Gray. We wanted to thank 2K Gray again for their sponsorship and continuing to um, sponsor the show. And we thank them for their great breaches. And everybody can check out the breaches at 2kgray.com. Next up, we've got Richard Malgren. 
Well, tonight I am so happy to have Richard Malgram on the program. He is the co-founder of Sport Horse Legacy. Uh, he came, he's a native of Sweden, and he came to the United States and um, landed in Delaware, right, Richard? Yes, that's right. Fantastic. And you are really the breeding extraordinaire. So can you talk to us a little bit? Tonight we actually want to talk about breeding an athlete. And uh, we've been talking all season about it together, and I'm so happy to have you on the program to chat about it. And uh, so why don't you get us started? Kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in Delaware, and then we'll go from there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's an honor to be on, on the program. And um, I, um, as I said, I'm a native of Sweden, and uh, I first um, came to the United States in, in 1996 as a working student for Hilltop Farm. and. Um, and before that, you know, I grew up in a horse family. Uh, my father was uh, uh, an, um, an equestrian, mostly in the, the jumping and the eventing, and uh, ran his own uh, riding club. Um, and so I definitely had uh, uh, an equestrian uh, background from the from the from the youth. And um, actually, uh, about forty minutes from uh, where I grew up um, uh, was the the national stud uh, of Sweden, uh, Fleinge, and uh, back in the 70s and the 80s, you know, the stallions, uh, the, the, the state stud were sent out to, uh, to stallion stations, and, um, you know, five minutes from my farm, or my parents' farm, uh, was one of the stations where a state stud stallion was. So, again, having been around the breeding uh, from really, really early stages and seen young foals being born and that has been part of my, uh, my growing up. And, uh, so then when I came to, uh, uh, to Hilltop farm, I remember it as if it was yesterday because I asked Scott Hassler, um, uh, you know, you've got a lot of Holsteiner stallions, uh, in your lineup. And, uh, I thought they were mostly, you know, famous for the jumping and, um, and, you know, he was, Telling me that, of course, uh, but if you look at at, uh, at that time in the in the eighties and early nineties, uh, Margrethe Utrechtsapan, uh, her stallion Corlandos was Cordelabier Landgraf, and so was Scott Hassler's Cabaret. It was uh, Cordelabier Landgraf, so it was a full brother to Corlandos. And then we had uh, another Cordelabier son, uh, Cornoir, and then we also had uh, a Ramiro son, uh, a grandson named Riverman. And uh, these horses were just really, really athletes, and uh, and that was gave a huge in, impact on on me um, because Scott rode you know dressage with these stallions, and of course there's another one I shouldn't forget, uh, Parable, who is a Westphalian stallion by Paradox, again a very prominent uh, jumper line from the Westphalians, and so you know coming from Sweden, I knew a lot about the the Swedish bloodlines, but uh, you know. In, in uh, at Hilltop, it was my, mainly uh, the um, uh, the German bloodlines because that's where Scott had been in Germany at uh, Herbert Rabines for many years and got inspired and learned about the, the breeding programs. So that was a big opening for me, and uh, that's a little bit what I would like to uh, talk about today on this uh, radio show about how important it is to really look at a at an athlete you know and not just necessarily a dressage breeding or a jumper breeding or an event breeding you know we breed an athlete and for me that's very very important and um and just so to sort of mention you know go back to my swedish uh, roots you know with everybody 
probably recognizes uh, Jan Brink's uh, Briar, um, who rode in several Olympics. And uh, he actually did a better jumping uh, performance test than a dressage performance test. But then again, he was educated in the dressage and became, you know, a several time uh, Olympic Olympic horse. And so that's uh, that's one example. And, um, and, you know, and then there's there's a, a, a lot of other ones. And just to mention a little bit about, of course, Rousseau, because that's one of the stallions that I represent uh, since taking over, um, since, since founded, uh, co-founded Sport Horse Legacy. Um, I started taking over Hasser Dessage's uh, stallions and uh, Karen Oldfield's uh, stallions. And, um, you know, Rousseau is a stallion that we, we represent the semen from. And um, if you look at his pedigree, uh, it's very interesting because his sire is Olympic Pharaoh. And his dam sire is uh, um, Romer, which stood at uh, Iron Spring Farm. And both those stallions, before they became Grand Prix dressage stallions, were both top-level uh, jumping stallions. So uh, I, th- I think Pharaoh, Pharaoh won his jumping test too, right? That's another horse that yeah. won the in the in his curring. He won the the jumping side of it as well. So yeah, and I just think that that he gives really good canters, they, right? Yeah, and and just very much about the, the hindquarters that are strong uh, and uh, can do you know the upper level uh, the movements that we require in dressage. And uh, I just find it it's interesting because sometimes those things aren't really discussed, you know, and and brought up into the light. It's just so much more about like um, focusing at an early age about the dressage, about the jumping, and then you know you have. The different breed registries um, having their jumper program, having their hunter program, and having their dressage program, and and I'm not saying I'm against that at all. I'm just uh, we shouldn't forget uh, that if you look at the athletes that are making it in in the sport, you know a lot of them do have uh, backgrounds that are you know from the different different disciplines, and um, I just I just find that very interesting. And another example that I always like to bring up is Anki Frankunsven's uh, Salonero uh, in the 2004 Olympics in Athens. A full brother to him was in the show jumping Olympics. And I don't know the name of that horse, but, you know, we could always look into that. But the fact is that two siblings, you know, went to the Olympics uh, in, in two different disciplines. I just find that very, very interesting. And, and you know, I'd like to, you know, have such a big passion for breeding, so um, you know, to have these discussions with people and and to to see, you know, what is your mare, what does your mare have, and and then uh, what do we want to add into that, you know? So that's that's part of this whole thing of of uh, of uh, sort of creating a, a new a new match and then an athlete that should be born and and uh, and not necessarily always be you know, geared for a certain discipline. And, and that goes back a little bit to, to, uh, the, the athletes of, of other sports. Um, you know, one athlete that I admire a lot is Swedish tennis player, Mats Belander. And, uh, he did a lot of other sports, uh, in his youth, uh, before he became, um, you know, the number one ranked tennis player in the world during the late eighties. And, uh, and, and again, what I believe in training of horses is cross training. And so I, I think that we should really think about breeding an, an athlete. Uh, and that's, 
that's really what I like to sort of discuss a little bit today. And, and I yeah. kind of gave a little intro here. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. So Richard, I mean, I know it's hard to kind of discuss on like, you kind of need to look at the pedigree of your horse and, and talk with someone like yourself, who's a real expert in breeding, but how are some, some ways that people can, can think about that as they're looking at their horse's lines and what they want to, you know, create an athlete? How, how do you do that? You know, how, how do you, where's the first, where do you start is a better way to well, ask that. Yeah, I think I mean you. You really start uh, with the with the mare, or if you're looking into acquiring a mare, you know your that is the 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 basis of 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 breeding, in my opinion. Uh, and again, the mares don't get you know as much recognition and um, and at all as much credit as they should. But to me, they pretty much are at least sixty plus percent of the offspring, and so therefore they should. They should really should have a lot of uh, insight about the, the mare that you either have or that you want to acquire, you know. And um, and and then I always kind of look at a at a horse, um, both exterior and interior, um, because you know, just like humans, you know, they might be like exterior look in one way, but then interior yes. in another way, and and we That's know that. Cool. As, as riders and trainers. And so, uh, you know, you can, you can sort of make that perfect match you think, uh, with the exterior and then you've completely messed it up with the interior. Uh, so I love that concept. Yeah. I've never heard that before, but I think that's incredibly important to, to stop and talk about because mares, just because it's a beautiful athlete, doesn't mean it's rideable <laughs> and, no. and or with the same with the stallion, right? Absolutely. The thing is that the stallions, they go through these rigorous tests. And today, you know, with the frozen semen that are becoming much, much more uh, accessible and, and also that the veterinarians uh, are becoming more comfortable using the frozen semen. And so then that allows the stallions to go out and compete. Uh, well, yeah, now more. you see a lot more stallions in the competition. And so you, so you say, you know, for example, you see this horse at, you know, the world championships. Oh, that's a great stallion. He's going to make a great dressage horse. But uh, if you don't consider the mare that you have at home for him, that, that's, that's really difficult. Absolutely. And I, I, again, I think that a lot of people, um, uh, they, they, they have so much access, access information about the, uh, the the stallions, but then they don't know very much about the the mother and the mother line and and what they have uh, what they have produced and and that's what a lot of the the old Swedish breeders and the old German breeders and I'm sure the Dutch breeders too and and other European countries and even Americans you know they say you know you don't breed a dam you breed a dam line you know and and that is so true um, and um you know, it's so you don't just look at who is the sire of your mare, you know, then you have to look at your mare's, you know, damn sire and, and, and further back in the lineage, uh, because there might be some either hot blood back there, or there might be some, some more, uh, rectangular blood, um, that could potentially, uh, come out in the offspring. And then the other thing with, with the, uh, uh, the, the mare, which I had an opportunity at, at Hilltop because we bred between 12 and 15 mares every year, uh, I had the chance to see full siblings. And boy, did that ever, you know, uh, make a, a big impression to me, you know, how different they can be. 
But then again, if I'm oh, looking yeah. at it yeah. and I'm telling oh, myself, yeah. me and my brother, we're different. You know, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm dark haired. He's blonde. You know, I'm taller, even though I'm younger, you know. And so it's it's just it's not that strange, actually, because if it was that easy to breed, you know, we would all just do it. Right. And and, yeah. and sell the Olympic yeah, star. Be easy, so, right? yeah. yeah. So I just. I just find it is just uh, there's just, you can you can do all the research and you can try to find that you know perfect match and then you really really you know are so excited about it and then you get surprised uh, and you're it's not at all what you expect you know but the most important thing is that when you've done all this research you come to the decision that this is the one that I think I think not what Tom Dick or Harry things it's what you think you know from taking information from people but this is what i think because then you got your heart's going to be in it when that foal gets born you know because of course you're going to love it it might not be what you expected but you're still going to love it and you did the research you did the selection you picked it and so then it has such a better start out you know when it's born um, and i think that's that's very important because it is not uh, you know, like mixing paints, uh, it is so <laughs> difficult, uh, to do. And again, going back to full siblings, how different they can be. So just because you found, you know, one success cross with, with one foal doesn't mean that that's going to happen again. If you repeat it. Yeah. Well, and the I, other way too, I yeah. mean, the first time, maybe it's not as good, but you go back to it because maybe you believe in that cross and it comes back to our original discussion about being an athlete. Maybe you didn't breed, the perfect totalist horse, but maybe this horse is going to make somebody a really super, you know, jumper. You don't know. I think again, you know, even just because you've done the dressage breeding and done that, I think it's hard, but you have to not, you know, pigeonhole your horse. Uh, I mean, if you're a breeder then you know, find somebody who's going to start the horse, who's going to give it a lot of cross training. So, you know, if you're selling it as a young horse or whatever, that everybody's going to come take a look, you know, it might have dressage bloodlines, but um, it does a really good job, you know, jumping through the chute to, to yeah. impress somebody who might want to, you know, give it a career in jumping. I think it's a lot of times they say, oh, well, this is a dressage horse. I'm going to sell it to a dressage trainer. It's going to, you know, and it just doesn't work out that way. Not because the horse is not talented, but because, no. uh, because you've sort of, you know, decided its career as soon as it was bred and, and, and that's yeah. tricky. Yeah. Well, and I, and no, I, oh. no, Richard, go ahead. No, you, you, uh. You say what you're going to say. <laughs> oh, no, no. So my question and, and where I was going with this was I think it's so important to work with someone like yourself and your trainer and get a lot and get opinions from people that maybe have uh, a lot more knowledge because I think breeding, it's it's a whole other, oh, goodness. I mean, there's just so much to breeding and I think it's so important to, to work with someone like yourself who really knows about breeding and knows what they're doing because it was sort of like when I started to, to breed my mare, I talked to a ton of people and, um, and, and really did a lot of research and sat down with a lot of people. And, uh, you know, I really was very happy with the crosses that I got. Um, so I think that that's so important. So, um, yeah, I think no, I think that, you, you know, uh, it's, it's just because you, again, they'll have passion and you have experience. There is no, there is no magic uh, wand to say that this should be a, a great uh, success, and that's why I said that you can get these, uh, you know, opinions and 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 uh, 
and and that and that's really also at the end of the day what it is because a lot of people you know do contact i mean both when i worked at hilltop and when i worked at after Dasash, and you know they contacted us you know some people had some video that they could send in or a photo but but you know that only gives so much of an impression of the mayor you know so Mm -hmm. you you provide information but then it is at the end, you know, the the person that is making the decision, you know, and I right. always like to, and it's not like I don't want to give my suggestions or all this. Absolutely. I do that for sure. But it's like, I also emphasize on that, you know, it needs to feel right. It's like going mm-hmm. to horse shopping, you know, you know, you got to click with this horse when you're going to buy it. You know, it's not just because I rode it great and I love the horse. Well, it maybe it doesn't click with you and you don't feel like it, it rides so well with you. You know, and the same thing with the stallion, um, you know, because it's so important that that feeling uh, uh, comes comes uh, from within and saying, you know what, I like this. Uh, I like this stallion. I, I think yeah. this could be a great match. And I do want to just go back because I believe so much about this this um, athlete. And and uh, and I there is a stallion that we do represent, uh, uh, Lomberto, and he's a son of Rousseau, and then he has um, the sire Voltaire as his sire, and Voltaire is is um, a son of uh, Furioso, uh, you know, which is again one of the founders of of, of Oldenburg jumping. Uh, he goes back to a thoroughbred sign named Furioso, um, and uh, it, it, you know, and the thing is that he has also produced a lot of dressage horses, like uh, Leslie Moore's Kingston was by Voltaire. And so, but this guy in Lomberto, when he did his 100-day test here in the United States, I mean, he had such good uh, uh, jumping scores and the cross-country uh, training. But his 100-day test rider, who was a, a top German uh, event rider, she just raved about him, and she would just have loved to take him on the cross-country and, and up the levels in that way. Hmm. You know, and it's, it's just, uh, again, interesting. So... Yeah. You know, going from 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 Hilltop when I worked there, I, I always spoke so highly of Riverman because he was a stallion that again produced jumpers, eventers, and uh, dressage horses, combined driving horses. I mean, he's had top levels in all the disciplines, you know. And mm-hmm. and he had one year he had two horses going Rolex, and 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 you know what Philip was saying about, you know, how sometimes, you know, what, what is this horse going to end up with? You know, is it going to be a dressage horse? Is it going to be a jumper? You know, and, and what does that individual like? You know, it's a little bit like a kid, just because you like horses, your yeah. kid might not end up liking ho- horses. You know, he might like sure. to do, to do soccer or, or football or tennis or something like that, you know? Right. So, it's. I think it's just so uh, important to to also take that in consideration to um, when you do pick a stallion that you know does he have uh, some offsprings doing uh, different disciplines and I try to highlight that as much as I can when I stay in touch with the breeders and they can send me photos to really just uh, show that the horses are doing a lot of a variety of things because right. most of us are you know, uh, uh, riding, you know, 
for as a hobby, you know, it's just a, a selected few people that are working in this industry as professionals. You know, the majority are amateurs, and they might like to do a little bit of everything. You know, and I, we shouldn't forget that. I believe. Right. No, I think that's fantastic. So, Richard, Good how point. would um, yeah, yeah, pe- people find you online if they have some questions to ask you? Uh, the the absolute best way to to follow us is on Sport Horse Legacy LLC on Facebook because that's the opportunity to to shoot out messages to uh, the people that are interested in our stallions and uh, and uh, you know sport horse breeding. So that's what I would recommend. And then we do also exist on the on the web, which is uh, www.sporthorselegacy all one word lowercase dot com. And uh, there you also find the email address if you would like to contact us and the phone numbers. So Fantastic. Richard, thank you so much for coming on. All right. Thanks for having me. Well, that was a great interview by Richard. And, and I hope everyone enjoys that because it is starting to be breeding season and time to pick stallions and really think about breeding and, and what, you're, what you're looking for. So I hope Richard was uh, a fun interview for you. And right now we're going to go to a commercial from Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissues. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Phil, we got a fantastic package from Justin at Total Saddle Fit. He is just a great sponsor of our of our show and honestly, our horses as well. He always is very good about sending us products so we can kind of test them and see uh, how we like it. So he sent us a new girth. I, I just opened my box. I'm super excited um, about this girth. So Phil, tell us a little bit about the girth and you've been using it now. So tell us yeah, a little I've bit about Yeah, I've had it for a little longer than you. Just yeah, I just, I just quicker. It came box. to me a little quicker. Yeah. This is the stretch tech shoulder relief girth so i think it's pretty cool you know it comes in the same sort of design as the shoulder the regular shoulder leather shoulder relief girth so you know it's got that wonderful shoulder freedom for the horse it you know all the benefits of the shoulder relief girth are here and then you know they're just uh they got a new design for this it's called the stretch tech and what it is it's over the middle of the girth it's got an elastic uh connection to the girth and this is to allow 
for the horse to expand his chest a little bit easier, um, which will allow your horse a little bit more relaxation, I think, and a little bit better breathing. So um, it's really a cool design, and uh, I think it'll, it'll help the horse, it benefits the horse. And uh, the second awesome part about this girth is that it now comes with an interchangeable liner. So you can choose whether you want the neoprene liner, which is a, neoprene is a little bit like a rubber material, or the regular sort of leather um, liner that goes onto the girth. So you, you get a bit of a choice here. And the awesome part is it just uh, Velcros in and out. You, you can take that neoprene or the leather uh, part off the girth and the neoprene thing will go right into your into your washing machine so you can just wash it or the leather i mean traditionally you have to use a saddle soap and all that but i'm loving the neoprene because yeah. it's just it's easier right yeah and i think no, it's a horse lots of uh, lots of comfort yeah. i think yeah the same as leather and uh and you just ha have an easier time with your tack you know if you have three or four girths you just you know end of the week you just rip that rip the uh velcro off and then yeah and wash yeah. it and wash yeah. it and just you know you don't even That's have really to cool. dry it yeah it's cool it's really yes, cool. i like that Excellent. or you can hit it with the hose if you like if you're, yeah if you're, exactly that's a really good to do too in florida yeah. we just hit everything with a hose it was good because it was so kind of hot and you could throw it out in the sun and it was perfect so yeah, well, it's a it's a really cool product, and I I hope everyone enjoys it. And again, Justin, a total saddle fit. He's fantastic, and he's been on the show a ton. And he will answer any saddle fitting question you have. And he's very very smart and does a really good job um, with it. So I hope you enjoy the girth. If you have any questions, definitely touch base with Justin at Total Saddle Fit. Well, Phil, we have a really cool interview next. Well, we have yeah, for our tip. We we wrangled, for our tip. Yeah, we wrangle Michael Klimka. I am so excited that we got Michael on the on the show. I grabbed him right before he went back to Germany. But Michael, um, along with being the son of sort of the dressage god, Reiner Klemka, he is a Munster-based rider. Uh, he placed second in the 1990 World Cup Finals and was the German male dressage champion in 2000. The same year, he came close to capturing a spot in the German Olympic team. In the past 10 years, he's been working as an, a lawyer, um, but he's now come back to competition, and uh, this was his second year in Florida. He's been very, very successful at the Adequan uh, Global Dressage Festival, and I hope you enjoy uh, Michael's kind of our discussion about dressage. I think it's really fun, so enjoy. Well, this evening, we are so happy to have Michael Klemka. He is a lawyer. He is really um, the son of the dressage god, as he likes to say. Michael, we're so happy to have you on the program. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I'm happy to be part of the radio show as well. Yeah, so I, I will um, confess, Michael has been coaching me all winter here in Florida. So uh, we've really had a lot of time together, and um, we've really had a wonderful time sort of getting uh, hello um, to be much more of a big guy. And uh, so... Yeah. When we were getting organized, Philip and I um, and Michael wanted to talk a little bit about teaching a horse piaf. So, Michael, can yeah. you kind of start with that for us? Yeah, it's um, at the end, piaf is nothing else than chop on the spot. And you need a lot of confidence. There are, of course, many theories, many different training methods and um, yeah, uh, a lot of trainers do it different. I personally uh, have um, experienced that when you start from the ground without a rider, to first just touch the leg, that the horse gets confidence to the whip, trusts the whip, and that 
the horse learns to balance and stand on three legs. That's the first and for me the most important start when I teach a young horse PF. From the ground, lifting legs, getting confidence to the whip, and then try by touching the croup to get the rhythm. I think at the end, all horses can learn PF like any other figures. The question of quality, how good, is then, of course, natural quality from the general movement of the horse. But finally, you know, the figures that you teach a horse is technique. If the training of a young horse is correct, and if you are really taking the time with the young horses, I think all horses can learn most of the, if not all of the Grand Prix movements. And this is what's the fun about. You know, you need to have a plan. The plan means minimum five years of training, gymnastics, always remembering the horse is the athlete, the horse is a sportsman, not the rider. You know, when I sit on a horse and I'm wet after 30 minutes and the horse is dry, then I make something wrong. Yeah. I want to educate the horse that the horse goes alone, that a spectator, if he has knowledge about dressage or not, from the ground asks the question, Michael, how do you do that? <laughs> then dressage mm -hmm. is on the right way. <laughs> yeah. When you are yeah. too much yourself seeing every movement of the rider, yeah, then it's humpback. I like to have the horse as a personality and really see that the horse is fighting for the rider at the end. And that's the key. And to come back to Piaf, um, when is the Piaf good and when is the Piaf not good? The Piaf is only good when you really feel that the horse has fun to do it and gets proud of himself, especially in Piaf Passage, a little bit like dancing. And reason when you say what we tried with Hello, I think we could really see from the ground that he got the idea mm -hmm. and suddenly he said, oh, I can do that if you want <laughs> that. So it's not about um, forcing a horse to do that. It's more about playing a horse, making the horse happy to do it. Now, Michael, I have a question. Are, I, there should be probably some, some things that the horse should be able to do before you start you know, trying for PF. I know you said five years of training. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you know, what, is, yeah. what are some things that you sort of look for before you even think, okay, this horse might be ready for some PF passage training? I start with the horses when they are five, just on hand. And when they are six with the rider on top, not earlier. So the horse must be in balance. The horse must be able to understand the half-hold or walk transitions, can the trot transitions responding to the rider's aid and then a horse must be really able not to go on the forehand but already start to trot and canter on the hind leg that's for me a sign when I can start to try to teach a horse Pierre. and Michael we've talked a lot about you and I just getting the horse strong enough to do Piaf what are some ways that you can get the horse strong enough to do Piaf well um, it's very important to watch the body of the horse, that you have the bridge, hind leg, back, rider's upper body, rider's hand and mouth to the horse. When I watch a horse under the saddle and one that is riding the horse, this bridge gives the strongest. And at the end, the transition and half horse make a horse stronger. 
beside a classical principle of condition gymnastic differ your training like not one day he is off and six days you do the same program cavaletti hacking around even a little jumping um i think a good professional should also be able to make some gymnastic jumps and the other way around so the specialization too early for riders and for horses is a problem i want to have the chance that the horses have different ways of work during the week and for the riders as well so i stopped a while ago with jumping but that's more for the safety of the horse because i had no eye really I don't either. But I still with Cavaletti and free jumping. Uh, I do this with my young horses a lot. And yeah, um, I think that's important. It's altogether a puzzle where you have to have on the one side the figures that the horses have to learn, yes. But much, much more important is the general, we call it in German, Grundausbildung of a young horse. If that's correct, then the figures are technical. And when you have somebody like I had, who tells you how to write figures. It's easy, actually, to write figures when the teaching before is correct. When the horse goes alone, when the horse is not <clears throat> against the hand, against the leg, and you can really feel your body and uh, feel with your upper body the movement. That's uh, one, uh, one story what I had to learn. My father sent me to Vienna, to the Spanish riding school. That was 1990. That yeah. time I was European champion, uh, young rider, and second in the Senior World Cup final in Sertogenbosch. And for one week, they put me on the lunch line. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, you weren't happy about that. You really understand my last name, Klimke. And these old trainers at the Spanish school, they had really fun to put me on a lunch line <laughs> for yeah. one week. And I mean, I... I could watch the, the groundwork with the Passage. When you are there at six in the morning, they showed you how they do it. But it was important that they said, oh, this little boy, he must first learn lunch line sitting. Yeah, he should <laughs> learn to <laughs> sit. <people."> yeah. <laughs> but still, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's good for everyone to remember. Like, you, were, you were how old when you did that? 21. Yeah, and you're still on the lunch line for a week. So I think that happens so much more in Germany. I have to be honest, I think I was on the lunch line for six months before I could ride anywhere. But I mean, that's yeah. very normal. That's It's much more normal in Germany to be put on the lunch line um, as a rider than we do here. We do not do it enough, I don't think. Uh, and I'm probably yeah. guilty of it too. Uh, but I think that's, that's not enough. And riding without stirrups is also very important to feel your upper body. And I mean, let's face it, nowadays, it's not that you can just sit on a horse and find the trainer from the ground that can explain you. You need physical fitness. You need condition yourself as a rider. You need body balance. And you must know theory. This is a lack. Um, when I came into the sport, I was forced to really read old books, read old masters, how they did it and what they wrote, and when you're not theoretically fit, how can you believe you can you can get fit by, somebody, fit by somebody from the ground teachers? Like Gustav Rau wrote a book from 19, 
36 the Olympic Games before the Second World War in Berlin. And his last page was about the future of the search. And he wrote there that the judges, with giving their marks, have the duty to work against wrong training methods. That's my free translation in English. Sorry for my English, but in German he had other words. But that you can today publish. You can today say this is this was from 1936, and it's today still very important. What do we have? Yeah. We had a, in Aachen a judging the seven judges, and nobody knows really what they want to see. We have no red line in the judging system anymore, so that's very scary. And I must say, already in '36, there was a clever man um, who wrote that, that the judges have this responsibility and duty by giving their marks to see if the training at home was correct or not. And that changes, I mean, sorry for that shortcut of it, but that really changed the, the last 20 years in the sport, that I'm missing a little bit the red line, not only a little bit, if you see the European Championships in Aachen last year, when you see that judging, it was it was a disaster for the sport. I hope that this year the Olympic Games in Rio will prove that that was just a bad show from the judges. Yeah, so I hope for that. But yeah, we must be really, really careful altogether. Welfare for the horse, classical principles, a red line given by the FEI. The problem is that we have at the FEI not this red line at the moment. Everybody knows what's written down, but nobody's following it anymore. And right. when I go to a show and win and come home, then I, I feel very special because then I think my training is super. Yeah, maybe. But maybe we should think more about the whole sport and think more of what we want to see in the sport. Little okay. changes here and there is not enough. We must be careful. Also, in the discussion about the IOC, the Olympic Games for Tokyo 220. After Rio, the IOC, as it is already written, will watch the equestrian sport, not only dressage, jumping, either even if we need four riders, if we want four riders, if it is really a sport to promote. Now it's more about promotion than about the sport. And I have also a very, very clear and straight opinion. We should not change our sport too much. Nobody would ever say we, we make a marathon just one kilometer because then we have it better in the media and in the television. The sport is the sport, and our sport is a classical sport, sport of dressage, which means a test of six to seven minutes is necessary that we can show walk, trot, and canter and all the figures that are needed for the Grand Prix. You cannot shorten it just for the media. Mm-hmm. No, it makes sense. Completely. Because I think it's so important. We see that here that and here in Florida because it, it really is a big sport here. And um, yeah. the judging, it, you know, I think that's it's been a big discussion down here for sure this season. It's happened yeah. in the freestyle yeah. and now that the marks go up and everybody sees it, you know, then some judges do have some things to discuss and to think about. But as you said, you know, changing, not changing the sport, I think that goes back to the classical principles and the scale of training and the systematical approach to training horses. Yeah. And I think, yeah. I think... I think another point is to not be taking out movements of the Grand Prix just to show, you know, only Piaf Passage, Extended Trot, 
and uh, one-time yeah. tempis. I think you know. I think a lot of people have talked about. I think there was some discussion about taking out the rain back or or making less walk. Oh, yeah. You know, and then then you're rewarding horses yeah. that don't have three clean gates and 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 these sort of topics. I think exactly. you're a big proponent but of keeping all of everything circus. in the Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah, it's but just then tricks. Then we talk about circus or or just you know a little bit like a like a show program between the jumping, but we don't talk about sport. And the sport means that a horse also must be able to have the condition, to have the quality, to really show walk, chop, and canter, and the figures. And this less than six minutes is impossible to show. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, let's come back to Florida here. I'm here second year in a row, and hopefully can come back next year. We had 149 horses in the last jog at the last CDI. I mean, that's bigger than many, many shows in Europe. This is growing here. It's really a place to go in three months, go with the sash. It's more and more riders, the quality is getting better every year. The numbers are increasing. So we also should be proud to have something like the Friday night freestyle. I'm also saying like in the World Cup qualifiers in Europe, if you look at Togenbosch, Amsterdam, Stuttgart, there are more spectators than in the jumping. So we must be a little more proud of, of our sport and go. Um, don't think we are always in the defense all the time. We must open, uh, talk about it. Like we have a great sport which attracts spectators and should attract the media more than it does. That's true, for sure. Well, Michael, we can't thank you enough for your time today and all of your thoughts. We'd love to have you back on the program. And I hope, personally, you yeah. get to come back next year. I come uh, back and, and I'd like to train you next year. And thank <laughs> you very really much uh, that I could talk to you a little bit. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Michael, for your, for your time. Have a great time. Okay. Bye-bye. This tip brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, the shoulder relief girth that Reese and Philip both love. And here's why. The Saddle Fit solution you have been waiting for is finally here. TotalSaddleFit.com is proud to introduce the shoulder relief girth. This strategically shaped girth actually moves the girth line of your saddle back over one inch, thereby freeing your horse's shoulders from the saddle. Traditional girths pull saddles up against a horse's shoulders and often over the top of the shoulders. The shoulder relief girth's recessed ends allow for the billets to buckle into the girth farther back to give your horse unparalleled freedom of motion. We are so certain that your saddle will fit better and your horse will be more comfortable that for a limited time we are offering a 30-day, 110% money-back guarantee. If you are not totally satisfied with your shoulder relief girth, send it back for a full refund plus 10% of the purchase price. Don't wait. Order now for the best saddle fit solution available. At totalsaddlefit.com. Visit totalsaddlefit.com. Well, as always, everybody knows we love email and Facebook shout outs. It's sort of, you know, we like connecting with all our listeners and it, you know, really helps us kind of pick out what we want to do for um, kind of programming. So we, we enjoy it. So, Phil, we've got a good one for this week. Okay. We have a, a question from Sharon here. She just, um, Sharon, she says, I just finished listening to Horsemanship Radio episode 61. 
We got to plug our, the other great shows, right? Yeah, I know. We have great shows on the network, so this is a good one. Good plug. <laughs> Where they're mm-hmm. talking about the importance of ground training. Uh, ground training we've talked about. They talk about a lot on the other shows. And so uh, Sharon would like to improve her skills in this area, wondering if if we know anyone who gives a course, or maybe we could just talk a little bit about ground training today here, Reese. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think um, I'm going to tease next week's show, actually, because um, Richard Malgram, uh, he t- today on the show we talked about breeding, but next week <clears throat> he um, is going to talk about ground um, uh, long, long lining. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. um, one of the things I did uh, this winter was I took lessons from Richard, and I took about two lessons a week and uh, to work on long lining. So a little tease for next week um, that we are going to talk about long lining and sort of long lining 101. Um, I will say, um, and, and also Michael talked a lot about or a little bit about teaching Piaf and, and doing groundwork in hand for teaching Piaf. And so um, I had a great experience this winter uh, learning groundwork. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, Phil, but it's not something I'm particularly good at because I don't practice enough. And I've had, I have worked with uh, multiple people. Kathy Connolly is a really good long liner. Um, obviously, Conrad Schumacher does a lot of work in hand. And there's, it looks so easy when they do it, but <laughs> it's really challenging. It's, it's not an easy uh, technique to learn. And, and so I would say, number one, um, I think it's really important to take lessons when you're going to do groundwork for dressage horses. So, you know, this isn't sort of the teaming up uh, that they talk about on the horsemanship radio, which is fantastic. You know, we're kind of specializing now in, in long lining and working in hand for Piaf and Passage. Um, I think it's really important that you work with somebody who can really help you. Um, they also can help you sort of get the horses um, in, in, in you know, it's hard to do it if you don't know and your horse doesn't know. So it's really helpful to have a Michael Klumka teach your horse Piaf in hand because, you know, now I can I can do it with Hello myself because Michael worked with them all winter and I watched. And then the last couple of weeks I started doing it. So I'm a lot more familiar with, with what we, we did. And Michael talked a little bit about it, but, you know, I do every day now. I tap him on the leg with the, with the stick. And this is a very light tap. It's very important that it's a light tap. So I gently tap him and he picks up a leg. So he's learning sort of how to stand on three legs, um, which is important because that's what they have to do, right? In Piaf, um, in Passage. So, um, that's sort of what we've been working on. And so I tap him and then as we go along, I'll tap him and we'll go along the wall. Um, and again, I worked with this this winter. Um, I wasn't particularly good at it. Um, I don't know about you, Phil, but you know I didn't have a lot of experience with either lo- long lining or working in hand. Um, but it was really fun to to do that this winter and sort of get a little bit more confidence. My horses now know a little bit more what the requirements are and what they need to do, and and they they also are better at it. Um, so I think it's a great way. Groundwork is fantastic. Um, obviously, I'm I'm picky even. Um, in the barn with really good ground manners and groundwork. Like for example, um, everybody who works for me knows the horses better be walking up with them. I hate to see people drag horses. It drives me crazy. Um, so I think also I put that in the groundwork category is like when we lead horses, they're up at your shoulder. Um, they're not, you're not pulling them. They're not walking in front of you. Uh, so I think you can go sort of from the general horsemanship working toward the dressage um, with long lining working in hand. Um, I think I, I have started my young horses with ground driving. I haven't personally done it. I, I paid for that service um, to have somebody really good do it. Um, but all my horses have been ground driven. So 
now that I have a little more confidence with a really good horse um, on the long lines, that's what I've been doing. So, so Phil, throw your two cents in here. What What are your experiences with ground? Well, I ground- think yeah, this question is tricky because ground training can mm-hmm. involve so many different things. You know, um, like you said, there's some specialized ground training that we do for dressage horses, obviously, and then you know they sort of you know have some ground training before you get on them, and yep. then you know they have a few years of the riding, and then they have some more uh, some more ground training. Um, you know, for, for like what you're talking about, a little PF massage work. So, um, I think in general, the dressage horses don't get a lot of, of right. groundwork, you know, and, and I sort of follow that program too. I, I do a few things to get them ready to be backed, you know, with a little bit of, yeah, it's sort of long lining, but, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, just being able to steer before I get on, you know, sure, sure, and yeah. then, um, and then, yeah, for a few years, I'm, I don't do any at all. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I have to be honest about that. And then, well, and you, then, you lunge, you do, you do lunge. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. But you know, like I said, that's so many, um, but you know, again, with the lunging, I'm, I'm only going to do it, you know, in special circumstances, you know. Mm-hmm. And then sure. again, you know, I'm not super detail oriented about it, you know. It's just, you know, sometimes for for something different to do, or sometimes right. you know to get a little energy out, or you know, some some different cases. But it's not, you know, I I um, as far as that goes, I I didn't take any courses in 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 you know sort of the groundwork and mm-hmm. and I think the Pirelli stuff is awesome, but Again, I have very little um, education um, behind that. So, um, yeah, I think always not necessarily a dressage. You don't have to go to a dressage person, you know, to 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 get pretty right. good at that stuff. Yeah, I think, absolutely. You know, there's lots of I, really educated people out there. You know, um, depends what the purpose is. You know, yeah, and what you're what, doing. What is what is the point of your groundwork? And if it's to teach your horse better manners. Right. Or to be able to read your horse a little better, then yeah, you don't need a dressage person person nope. at all, right? And so. we had Lisa Rakes on, um, and, and you would you can look on the episode. Uh, Lisa Rakes, she's um, from the Mount of Police at the Kentucky Horse Park, and she works with all my young horses on sort of groundwork. You know, again, she comes in, she does groundwork. They walk over tarps. They, you know, I'm I'm a big fan. They they learn to get the ropes around their legs so that they step on the lead shank. They're not silly, you know. I, f- I find that a really important part of the young horse training. Um, again, I'm I'm not very good at it, and I have never dedicated enough time to get good at it. I think that's the thing is is groundwork. It takes time, just like the riding does. Um, so, you know, I, I not not that we're guilty of it. It's just we're riders and we're trainers, and you know, people are paying us to ride their horses typically. So yeah, and um, you know, typically in the lessons, you know, then. Um, right. Somebody wants to improve their dressage, and and unless I see a real problem with the ground man, ground manners of a horse, I sort of leave that up to you know leave that up to them to sort of work with and and deal with. So, but um, I do. I mean, Phil, one of the things that I do. Sorry, I jumped in there, but um, I do teach all of my students. I try to really watch everybody lunge. I think um, this is this can go in the ground training. Yeah. I think it's super important that you lunge properly because I have seen so many people lunge terribly and yeah, safety issues and the lunge line touches the ground and oh boy um and I will say I, I didn't have formal training in lunging until I did the instructor certification workshops right. so uh, from USDF and they have a, a, a good system 
that you can learn to follow. Um, and I honestly had to learn how to do it. And so anybody that works for me or, or is a student, I really try to see them lunge and we have an actual lesson on how to lunge because yeah. I do think it's really important that you do it correctly. So I think uh, they have a lunging manual through USDF um, for proper lunging. Uh, and then if you ever get to a certified instructor, they can really teach you that it's actually the most failed section of the USDF certified instructor exam. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think it's a little bit funny because uh, I noticed, you know, um, people like yourself and I who sort of grew up around the horses have a little bit more of a natural instinct about, you know, mm-hmm. where the horse is and what they're doing. And, and uh, you know, like you said, that nobody really, uh, not until I went to Europe, taught me how to lunge, but I had a, you right. know, a pretty good idea about it. And, and, and just, you know, when you lunge a horse, you read the horse naturally, but... Again, that just came from being around a lot of horses and stuff. And so, um, you know, because we didn't get the education at the right time, right. maybe, then we weren't, we're not great teachers. I can say that I, I can teach someone how to lunge, but I'm not a, a lunge specialist, you know. Oh, so. Phil, next time you're down, I'm going to teach you. I'm going to do it. Everybody, I'll <laughs> tell you how I, how I teach Phil the instructor certification way. Yeah, no, nice. I'm, <laughs> I'm really picky about it because it is something you can get really hurt, actually, and, and all of this stuff. You the can horses get can hurt. get hurt. I think it's safety both horses ways. Get hurt. Too, yeah. People get hurt. You yeah. know, so you have to be really careful. So I think that. It, it is good uh, to always have somebody, again, all, all this stuff, you know, take time, go to an instructor. I mean, I'm an instructor, but I went to an instructor to learn how to do these things. Um, and now I'm excited to practice, but I can tell you, I'm not going to practice. We'll talk about this next week a little bit in our, with Richard, but um, both my sister and I went to the lessons. So when we do it, we're going to be together. We're not going to be by ourselves. <laughs> Teamwork. Because- well, and yeah, because there's a little bit of a safety issue. If you're sort of fumbling with the reins, yeah, that's big you know, time. thankfully we have a very good horse that's not going to go anywhere. And he just sort of looks back at us and laughs <laughs> like, what are you guys doing back there? But he's very, very patient. But, you know, if we ever went to another horse, which eventually we will, um, you know, it's good to have a second person anyway. So um, I think it's great. I think it's great things. I think it's really fun to do um, to get horses out of the ring or do something different. So um I hope you guys sort of under, enjoyed the discussion and um, about groundwork. Again, there are other shows. The Horsemanship Radio Show and the Horse Radio Network is a great one. They talk a lot about ground training. Um, so I think there are a lot of different sources that you can go to. Um, but um, practice. Practice makes per- perfect. And I think that's a big thing with the ground training. Yeah, and cool. so, uh, yeah. yeah, so again, teasing for next week. Come, come back next week and uh, listen to our sort of longlining 101. I think you'll enjoy it. So you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is on Facebook, and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a great show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week.